Welcome today. We're glad you're here. Today I want to bring a message to you. I want to bring a message to you today entitled, Fix Your Focus. Fix Your Focus. When I was in high school, uh, and my friends and I came to an impasse where we had more choices than we had conviction. In other words, we had a lot of choices, but we really didn't know what we wanted to do. Like, where do you want to go for lunch? I don't know. Where do you want to go for lunch? Uh, who are you going to ask to the prom? I don't know. I've got a couple options I'm thinking about asking to the prom. I don't know who, who's going to say yes. Uh, where do you want to do this week? You want to go to a movie or you want to go bowling? I don't know. And anytime we came to an impasse where we didn't really have a strong conviction, we just played a game of rock, paper, scissors. We settled arguments. We settled disputes. Uh, we avoided fistfights. Uh, we made sure that we, did, we were together. We, we made almost every decision with, I don't know, rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, sounds good. Let's go. Now, when you're settling boyish arguments, that's one thing. But when you're trying to decide, should I marry Amber? I don't know, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> when it comes to some of the like weightier, heavier, more important choices in our lives, a simple game of rock, paper, scissors might not be the best approach to making your selection and your choice. We live in a day and a time where we feel like the more choices we have, the more successful we are. Used to be growing up that if you had all of the cable channels, your parents were rich. They had some money. If they had all the cable channels, that was, that was kind of one of our measuring rods. And it seemed like the more choices that you had when you opened up the cupboard pantry, it's not do you have soda or pop or Coke or whatever words you want to use to describe such beverages. It's not if you have some, it's how many choices you have of those, those things. We live in a day and a time where we have so many options for everything. Uh, I, I think maybe it's this idea of not wanting to choose the wrong thing, maybe failing, maybe, maybe the, the fear of missing out. We, we call it FOMO. Because we have these things in our minds, we have a hard time making choices in our lives that really matter. Did you know that when you, as a, as a college student, when you're going into college, I found recently that one place, uh, there are over 1,800 different majors you can choose from. Go ahead, narrow it down. Paper, rock, scissors, all the way down the list. See, see what, what choice. And did you know, uh, I, I did some research and I found that um, 20 to 50% of incoming freshmen at colleges are undecided. They couldn't make a choice. That's not because they're not intelligent. It's not because we have people graduating high school going into college who don't know what they like and don't like. It's not because they, they didn't have the right coaching, the right parenting, they came from a bad place. It's just because there's 1,800 choices. And over 75% eventually changed their major at some point during the course of their college career. Why? There are so many choices. I think this is why it is helpful to have godly and helpful authorities in our lives to pare down the choices. You ever asked your children what they want to eat for lunch? Hey guys, what do you want to eat for lunch? That is a bad question. Because if you have more than one child, you're going to get more than one opinion. 
We started doing more. Hey guys, would you rather have chicken nuggets or hot dogs? You now have two choices. Yeah, I don't want either of those. I'm sorry, these are your two choices. Which of these two would you like to make yourself next? Like, like <laughs> here it goes. You have to narrow down the choices. We have so many choices that we can get paralyzed by these things. Think about it. Your closet is so full. Some of you probably today stood at your closet saying, oh, which solid color shirt am I going to wear? Red, black, brown, right? Like, what do I got to pick? You have so many options and it delays our choices. And it takes the energy and the effort to try and figure this out. You walk up and down the grocery aisle. You're going to have 15 different options of mouthwash. I don't know which one's going to make my breath not stink. That's the one I want. Does it really matter? But we have so many choices to make every single day. I think that's why true and false questions on a quiz are a lot better than multiple choice questions on a quiz. Unless the other choices are like totally errored and you're like, no, no, that's stupid, right? Like, no. True or false, I got two choices. I got a 50-50 shot of taking this to the bank right here. Like, I like those kinds of, of odds of those narrowing our, our choices. And I think the fact that we have so many choices, so many options, so many things that we could do for hobbies, so many activities that we could participate in, so many opportunities to volunteer in a community, so many opportunities where you spend your money, how you go on vacation, the car you can buy, uh, the school you, you could send your child eventually to. And we have so many options that oftentimes what ends up happening is instead of moving forward in a purposeful direction, we just settle for movement at all. There is a difference between having traction and having distraction. Traction moves you forward on purpose. Distraction just moves you forward in any direction. And when you are in distraction mode, you are indeed moving forward, but it's possible that you're moving forward in the wrong direction. So we end up living our lives with a sense of a sense where, where we're not really being productive, we're just spinning our wheels. And we live unpredicted lives because we don't live focused lives. We, we live in such a way where we, we don't have this clear conviction. We don't have a clarity around even our purpose. And so because we are unsure, we're using outside measuring sticks as to determine the direction, the choice, and we lose focus and we lose our traction because we become distraction distracted and i think it's really really easy especially in church world especially when it comes to your spiritual life to confuse busyness for productivity well as long as i'm doing something it must be the right something I mean, think about it for me. My life is about serving God, right? Here in the church, everything I do has an eternal significance to it. Like you have a bad day at the office, you might lose some money. I have a bad day at the office, somebody's going to hell. <laughs> Talk about pressure. 
I'm kidding, I don't really feel that kind of pressure. You're going to send your own self to hell. That's, you did that all on your own. <laughs> Having a little fun here, of course, but I think that we, we can confuse, well, if I can just get people busy doing this in the church, busy doing this, doing this in this way, if we can keep our kids busy and they just stay out of trouble, then they'll have well-rounded lives. But we have kids and our spiritual lives, we're so busy trying to be well-rounded, we have no point to our lives and we're living our lives without being pointed in the right direction and having the right purpose simply because we're trying to stay so busy that we're no longer being productive as a church we have a mindset that helps us combat this idea a little bit and our mindset as a church is this, and this is really what I want to talk about today and unpack some, and that's this, that we focus doing more by doing less. As a church, one of our mindsets is that we choose to have focus, believing that we can do more for the kingdom of God by trying to do less. We, we choose to focus on a few things. We, we want to be really, really good and excellent in a few areas, rather than being okay and blasé in a lot of areas. We're not trying to spread ourselves thin at every good opportunity. We want to stay laser-focused at God's purpose for us as a church. So we focus on four things. We, we focus on life-giving, weekend services, irresistible kids' environments that are safe, fun, and put Jesus at every level for every child. We, we focus on creating life or faith-building connect groups where you can engage and get to know other people and really gain some traction in your spiritual walk along with other people who are in a like season or in a like stage of life. And then finally, our fourth thing that we focus on here as a church is, man, we believe in creating local and global partners to help get the gospel and accomplish the mission of Jesus in our community in other communities, and around the world. That's what we focus on. We don't have a lot of potlucks. We don't have a lot of extracurricular things. We don't have this ministry and that ministry. And it's not that those things are bad or wrong or have a point to it. We just choose not to keep you really busy so that we can stay on mission, which is helping bring faith to life. It's our focus. Every Sunday, we we really um, focus, my goal is to give you one key thought takeaway. And that's why we package them in what we call collections of sermons. So that you can walk away every Sunday with something that's going to help you. Okay, I can take that one step this week. I can do that one thing this week. And every single, single step that you take is going to move you closer to Jesus. You br bring you closer to helping faith come alive in you. It's just what we are hyper-focused on as a church. We, we really only want three things from you. And we're like, I've been coming to church, what do I want? I want three things from you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to belong to the family of God. I want you to become a disciple. And I want you to participate in building the kingdom of God with us. That's it. That's all. Our goal when you come here for the first time is to help you take one more step. What's your next? If this is your first time, I have one agenda today. That's to get you to come back next week. 
We're going to hug on you. We're going to smooth you with gifts and give you coffee and take care of your kids so that they're like, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to stay here. Can we go back to that church? It's the most fun church. Like, we have an agenda. We want to get you back here next week. And after you've come a second time, you know what our goal is? To get you to take a step and join growth, growth track. Why? Because we don't want you to get distracted in your faith. We want to give you traction so you move forward in your faith. We keep it really, really simple. I'm not smart enough to keep things complex. I got to keep it on the low bottom shelf because that's where I believe God wants us to be. Not only in our church, but in our lives, we often live, and, and maybe you can relate to this, with a sense of dissatisfaction. And I believe that the reason so many people in our world today are living unsatisfied lives is because we live distracted lives. We, we think that if we can multitask, we can accomplish more. Wrong. There is no such thing as multitasking. It's actually considered in the, in the psychology world as multi-switching where you are just multiply switching between this activity and this activity, this thing and this thing. I'm going to go here. I'm going to answer this. I'm going to follow this call. I'm going to run here and do this. And we can't do more than one thing at a time, but we keep switching between the thing that we are doing. Did you know that it takes you at least 23 minutes on average to gain complete refocus when you get an alert, a distraction, a ding, or an interruption in what you're doing? Have you ever gotten an interruption and you're like, okay, what was I doing again? I've been walking in my house like, oh, I'm going here. Saw something, did something, and I took three more steps and I'm like, I was doing something. I don't really remember what it was. Obviously, I don't look old enough to have senior moments, so something else is going on. <laughs> Trying to figure this thing out. What? One distraction, one interruption, one, one thing to catch your eye. And it takes you another 23 minutes before you can gain your focus back again. I think we have to learn how to eliminate distraction in our lives. You want to know one of the big reasons why you need to learn how to eliminate distraction and you need focus? Because you are often using distraction to avoid your pain. And you busy your life so you don't have to deal with the pain in your heart of the rejection that you had. You don't deal with the pain of your past you, you just feel like if I can keep busy, then I can keep moving forward. But the problem is you and your spouse are now living as roommates and there is no more intimacy and passion because you're just staying, staying busy and you're not actually addressing the things in our heart. Our goal as a church isn't to keep you busy. Our goal as a church is actually to help you slow down and stop and to say, wait a second, God, I've got some pain. What, what can you do about this, God? And God gives us a remedy to the dissatisfaction and the unsatisfied lives of our soul. God has an answer for the hunger, for the longing, for the, for the lack of satisfaction, for the well-rounded feeling like you have no point in your life. God has a solution. And we find it in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55 starting in verse 1. If you want to turn there, you can turn there, click there if you've got the Bible app, or you can go to faithchurchks.org and right there on uh, our central hub you can click on sermon notes and follow right along with these things today now, I want to share three things to help us in this way but, but I want to read this passage verses 1 through 12 uh, Isaiah 55 
It says this. This is God speaking to his people through a prophet by the name of Isaiah. He says this. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. I love this question. Why spend money on what's not actually bread? I mean, why are you spending money on things that aren't going to actually fill you up? And, and why do you spend your labor on something that doesn't actually bring satisfaction into your life? Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you and my faithful love promise to David. See, I have made him a witness to the people and a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations and know not and nations will, will not know will come running to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to pardon our God for he will freely pardon. I love that idea. I'm so thankful for the mercy of God. Anybody else thankful for the mercy of God? I know I'm so grateful for it. And he's sitting here and he's saying, hey, listen, if, if, if you'll come to me, the dissatisfaction in your soul, I've got something for you. You don't even have to pay for it. I've got what you need, that longing in your heart. He's sitting here saying, if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if, you're, if you've been missing something, I've got it right here. You can come, come, come. And he's talking about the salvation that comes only from God when you encounter the living God and his love that's so deep for you. Verse 8 goes on to say this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, they're higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what it is that I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Then you can go out with some joy. Then you can be led on with peace. The mountains and hills, the, it's like they're bursting into song because everything in your life is alive and fresh and you've got a new lease on life. Everything, it's like the birds are singing, the mountains are moving, the trees are waving. You're like, it's a party. Why? Because you've discovered the one thing that's been missing from your life up until this point. And Jesus, and God is giving us some words here in Isaiah 55 and verse 12 and, and he's trying to get us to the point where we understand that there is something God wants to do for you and it's to bring peace to bring joy to bring a satisfaction to the deepest longings and cravings and he comes and he alerts you and says hey you've been wasting your energy your time and your resources living a pattern of life that has not produced what you've been wanting has it why are you spinning your wheels 
on activities that aren't actually moving you towards your purpose? Why are you using your time in a way that's not actually helping you grow and develop anything? And he helps us understand some things. And so today I want to unpack this and I want to share three things with you real quick to help you fix your focus off the things that you get distracted by and onto the things that are going to move you forward into your destiny and the purpose that God has for you. Moving you away from a life that just leaves you uh, shallow, leaves you empty, leaves you missing something into a life that is flourishing, uh, into a life that's full of joy where life all around you feels like it's bursting in song again and again. First thing I, I want us to understand that the first truth today is this, we have to begin to focus on God's viewpoint, not our perspective. Every one of you have a perspective on, of life. But according to this passage, your perspective isn't the same as God's viewpoint. His viewpoint is up on a mountain higher than what you could ever see. God's seeing things over here from this angle, and you're seeing down here in one single direction. Your, your viewpoint, your opinions, your perspective, it's limited. And scripture's trying to get us to understand, listen, if your perspective isn't in a line with God's viewpoint, then change your thinking. You have to reset your mindset. You have to change how you're thinking so that you start seeing it the way God sees it. Romans 12 verse 2 in the Passion Translation says it like this. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture that are all around you. Stop mimicking, stop going along with, stop embedding, copying and pasting the culture's values on your life, the culture's way of thinking on your life, the rat race that they tell you to go on. Stop trying to run that race. Don't copy the patterns of the culture around you, but inwardly be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Then, this new way of thinking, it will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in God's eyes. It all starts with your mindset. If you're going to fix your focus, that means you have to start fixing, uh, you, focusing on God's viewpoint instead of your perspective, instead of based on your past experiences. There are things that you think you know because of what you've experienced that God says, oh, but you don't really see the whole picture. I, I got more going on than what you're aware of. I've got more in play in store for you. So many of us have a wrong perspective on life because we've been living based on lies that we've been believing. You've been living a lie that says you are what you do. That your identity is found in your behavior. It's not true. Your identity is actually found because there's a creator who designed you and formed you and gave purpose to your life. He's the one who's given you identity. It's not your behavior that's giving you that. Some of you have believed this lie that says, um, if, if I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. And so you're living with your own control issues, trying to play God in your life and everybody else's life, and it's not working. Why? Because you believe some lie that says that if I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm my self-made man. I got to do it. Ain't nobody going to do it for me. Don't trust no one. Only trust yourself. 
well, not only can you actually really trust other people, but you probably really can't trust yourself. You have the wrong perspective. You need to get on God's, God's viewpoint. Some of you, your entire life has been shaped and motivated by a lie whispered to you by the devil and it's kept you bound and hurting and afraid. And you're living your life from the wrong source. And Romans 12 is telling us you need to remove the lie and start repeating the truth of what God actually says. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you are loved by God. That you are accepted. That you have a purpose and a calling. And that if the Son of God has set you free, you're free. And if God writes over your life righteous and redeemed, there's not anything you can do to remove God's love from your life. You need to remove the lie and replace it with the truth. And some of you really, I want to encourage you, we, we have this uh, one of our, our connect groups, small groups that we have at the church is uh, one called Freedom Group. And if you know in your heart there's been some things that you've been believing that just probably aren't true, you need to stop listening to what I'm saying, pull out your phone right now, go to the central hub, click on that connect group. It's called Freedom Group. Sign up for it. It'll take you five minutes and then you can tune right back into what I'm saying. You need to get in that group because it's going to help you identify the lies that you've been building your life on that have produced nothing fruitful and nothing satisfying and help you find the right truth that is found on who God says that you are and what he's created you to do. There's a lot of people that uh, have asked me over the years, Pastor, um, are your glasses real? Some of you are like, I've been wondering the same thing. <laughs> he always has a different pair on. The answer is yes, these are actually real glasses. One lens is perfectly clear. The other lens helps me fix some, something that's wrong with my eyes. My eyes by themselves do not focus properly. I mean, I can see, but I have to compensate with what I see. In other words, my focus isn't really clear, and it's not easily made clear until I, I put on the right lenses. Some of you have been living your life filtered through a lie and it's time to put on the right glasses so you can see from God's viewpoint instead of from your perspective, from your pain, from your past, from what you were taught by grandma or what you experienced when you were younger. You need to get a new set of glasses and start seeing from God's viewpoint. You've got to fix your focus. You have to fix your focus. The second thing I, I want us to understand today is this, that you have to focus on priorities not opportunities. If you're going to fix your focus and find the point to your life and getting clear view what God has for you, then you and I, we need to be willing to focus on priorities, not on opportunities. Why? Because not every open door and not every opportunity means that it's God's will for your life. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Just because you could do that activity, you could make that commitment, doesn't mean you should. Not every opportunity or open door is put there by God. That's why we have to come to an understanding where we have to make decision based on some values, not based on our preferences. You have to pre-decide and determine what is the vision that God has for my life. What are the values that are non-negotiable for my life? As a church, we have seven values 
we call them mindsets that we are so committed to. They filter out everything that we do. If we're gonna do something or we see an opportunity as a church, but it doesn't pass the filter of all seven mindsets, all seven core values that we have, we don't do it. Well, what if it's good? What if this opportunity never comes back around, Pastor? What if? We're gonna make some decisions based on values, not based on opportunity, not based on that we can. Uh, several years ago, uh, when we were first married, my wife and I, we lived in North Carolina, and we had some friends that were getting ready to start a coffee shop. And they invited us to come help them, and my wife was going to manage the shop during the day. And one of the things that they wanted to do was have coffee and serve sandwiches and do all I mean, they had all sorts of ideas, and they were good ideas. The problem was we tried to implement all the ideas all at once, and we diluted the product that we were first there to do. We got so busy trying to accomplish everything that we could. All good ideas. But we didn't stay focused and targeted on what mattered the most. When you identify what are the values that you have in your life, it makes saying no a lot easier. Everybody say this when they say no. Doesn't that just feel good? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Right? No is such an empowering word. And when you know what you are called to do, when you know what God has asked you to do, when you know the vision and the values that you have in your life, it's easy to say no to some other things so that you can say yes to the things that matter more. As a church, we are willing, and I stole this from Pastor Craig Rochelle, but we are willing to say no to things that we love doing so that we can say yes to things that are more effective. We might love the style of music that we have right now, but in five years, if it's not helping us reach lost people, we're changing the style of music that we're doing. Why? Because we love reaching people more than we love a certain genre of music. I'm like, well, I, I might not come. That's fine. We have a different value system then. We have a different, values help you identify boundaries. Values help you identify what, what God is saying. Listen, if, if in three years I need to wear a penguin suit to reach people for Jesus, by golly, I'm putting away the ripped jeans and I'm putting on a tux. Jesus, please don't let that day come. Please, God, don't let it come. Let, just, I don't really like wearing a tux. But our focus is reaching people who, aren't, who don't know God. Our Sunday services, I love Christians. I love you. It's gonna encourage you, it's gonna be life-giving, but you know who our target is every Sunday? People who are afraid to walk in here to church for the first time. People who don't really have a perspective of who God is, and they've never heard the life-giving message that Jesus loves them just right where they're at. And we are committed to pursuing that. Why? Because we focus on priorities, not on opportunities. Here's the last one I, I wanna mention today, and that's this that I think that we have to be willing to, to focus on obedience and not results. If we're gonna fix our focus, we have to stop chasing some definition of success, quote unquote, 
and start just chasing the fact that is this what God has asked us to do, then that's what we're gonna do. If this is the place God has put us, this is where we're gonna be. We're gonna bloom where we're planted. We're gonna charge hard after the things that God says charge after. When God says charge, we're gonna charge. When God says stop, we're gonna stop. Why? Because we wanna walk in obedience to God, not live for some success based on someone else's eyes. We're not running someone else's race. We're running our race. I'm not trying to live my family and create an environment in my family that matches up with what the culture says I should do. No, I'm living and parenting and serving my family in a way that brings honor to God because I'm walking in obedience to his word. Why? Because it's his viewpoint, not my perspective. It's it's, it's getting this idea that my vision, my priorities need to be focused rather than the opportunities that I chase. And, and I need to focus on obedience and not on, not on results, which, which may mean that some of us have to surrender some of the idols that we've been chasing. If you know there's a tug and God's saying, I want you to follow me more, that might mean that you say no to some things that you could do on Sunday. That might mean that you say yes to waking up earlier to spend time with God before your kids wake up and the house gets crazy. Why? Because you're gonna say yes to the obedience rather than look at the results of what everybody else might compare your life or say about your life. I give faithfully to the Lord, not not because I'm worried about what it looks like, but because I I wanna walk in obedience. (laughs) You know, I really hope that you will buy this book. I really do. But the success of this book isn't determined by how many people have purchased it. Although I hope many, many people do. The success of this book isn't based on how many, how many people post on social media and give it away and share and we create a buzz around here. And it's not about whether it makes the top sellers list on Amazon. That's not success. You know what success is for this book? The fact that it's a book and I said yes and I walked in obedience and Lord, there it is. That's what it looks like. That's success for this book. The fact that it's in print, that's it. My goal is to walk in obedience, not follow results. Every Sunday, I wanna be obedient to what I feel like God is downloading and installing and embedding in my heart. And I want to be faithful to the text and I want to share it in a way that helps you see Jesus a little bit clearer and gain a greater sense of focus and conviction in your life. But my results aren't based on how many of you are talking about it on social. If you walk out and say, oh, great job. Oh, I love that. That was another winner. Hey, I like that. I like your hair. Hey, I like those glasses. Hey, like, like that's not success. It's about being able to stand here. Say, God. I was obedient to what I believe you put on my heart to say. Whether people said amen or oh my or said nothing at all. It's not results. It's not external. It's an internal understanding. Why? Because I I fixed my focus. What you give your attention to will determine the direction you go in. What you give your attention to will determine the direction that you go in. Your attention determines your direction. So what are you paying attention to? 
What are you paying attention to? Today as you leave, you're going to receive a highlighter. And I, I want to put this highlighter in your hand. And you'll notice on the cover of the book that the word mindset is normal, but the word matters has a highlighter through it. Why? Because what gets highlighted gets noticed. What gets noticed gets thought about. What you think about, you put on repeat. What you repeat determines the pattern of your life moving forward. Some of you have been highlighting the wrong things. Your focus and your attention has been drawn to the, to the wrong thing. You've been trying to fix your spouse by nagging at them. That's the wrong thing to focus on. Some of you have been trying to, to, to get your kids to feel like they're success by just running them ragged with busyness and activities. You've got the wrong highlighter. Some of you have been chasing business endeavors and trying to diversify your portfolio and do all of these other things, but you're chasing and highlighting the wrong thing because you're not satisfied. There's something longing in you that hasn't yet been quenched. You've been finding substitutes, and this week we're, gonna, we're not going to highlight the lies anymore. We're going to highlight and remember and pay attention to the truth of what God says. Why? Because we want to focus on his viewpoint, not our, not our perspective. We're going we're gonna to highlight uh, some of the priorities and the values that we have in our lives. And, and we're not going to look and like, oh, look at that thing. Oh, we could do that. Oh, we could do that. No, no, no. We're not going to highlight those things. We're going to highlight the values and the convictions and the things that are shaped by God's word. And, and we're not going to highlight how many things that we could put out there and say, hey, look at this great thing that I did. Hey, I accomplished this. Hey, look at me over here. No, we're going to highlight, God, I said yes, and I followed through. God, you said, would you do this? And I said, yes, I will. I'm going to walk in obedience, not try to be impressive with some results. We're going to highlight the right things. What do I want you to do this week? Here's what I want you to do. Whole sermon in a sentence. I want you to focus on what matters most. I want you to focus on what matters most. I want you to take some time this week. and If you're married, talk it over with your spouse. If you're not married, spend some time thinking of it on your own. What are three to five values, core values, non-negotiables for your life? What are they? Does it relate to, to how you spend your time? Does it relate to how you're scheduling your life? Does it relate to the pursuits that you're, you're going after? Write them down. If you don't write them down, you'll never identify them correctly or remember them. Write them down. Three to five values this week. Why? So that you can focus on what matters most. God wants you to fix your focus. Not because he's hungry for attention. He wants you to, to narrow down your focus because he knows when you finally get focused on what matters most, spoiler alert, it's him. When you can narrow your focus to pursuing Jesus rather than anything else, he knows that life actually begins to flourish after that. It's not winning an argument. It's not getting the right candidate in the office. It's not, it's not uh, uh, putting your kids in place. It's not running on time. It's not uh, living a life void of, 
of interruption or pain or, uh, or disappointment. All those things are gonna happen in your life, but you can't focus on them. Why? Because you have laser focus on the one, on the one who died for you, on the one who called you by name, on the one who knows every hair on your head, on the one who stretched out his arms on Calvary. You focus on the one, his name is Jesus. There is only one name on earth by which men and women can be saved. It's the name of Jesus. There's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. There's only one way to a life that satisfies and his name is Jesus. It's just Jesus. There's only one way, one thing that matters the most this week. It's Jesus. If you're making your values and Jesus isn't one of them, go back and listen to the message again. Or forgive me for not doing my job well today. Jesus. Jesus is what you need. Jesus is the one that can satisfy that can quench the thirst and the longing. It's Jesus. Yeah, but pastor, there's so many other things that we need to do. I mean, the world, they're, they're running more un, without morals and we're, we're trying to elect weird people into the office and, and what about the unborn and, and what about marriage and what about the school systems and what about taxes? My God, what about that? And what about, what about all of these other things? What's the church gonna do about all of those things? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna focus on bringing faith to life in people's hearts. Because when faith comes to life in your heart, you start treating your spouse a little better. When faith really comes alive in your heart, you start parenting a little different. And when you start parenting a little bit different, kids raise up in a different environment and they see opportunities and potential and proper priorities in their own lives. And when kids begin to develop that, they go into school with a sense of purpose. And when they have a sense of purpose, they don't waste time on losers in their life and get distracted by sideshow things. And they have a sense of a moral compass so that when they're moving somewhere, their compass is God's word and nothing else. And it takes care of so many other problems of society if you would just fix your focus first on Jesus what are we doing as a church about all of these extra things you know what we're doing we're going to the heart and we're starting there because if you can fix the focus of your heart the fruit of your life begins to change but if you change all of these outside things, oh, they look good, you vote the right way, you stand up for this thing and you can petition that and you do this in the school system and you volunteer here and you, but your heart is still far from God. You did a lot of good things on the outside, but what matters most, you never paid attention to. Men, hear me. Lead the charge in fixing the focus in your home. I don't care how much money you make. I, I don't care what you do day in and day out. It's time to man up. Know that you got a set. And move in the right direction. As for me and my house, we're to serve God with everything we got. Every breath in our bodies every muscle in our being. We're gonna focus our lives on Jesus and let everything else flow out of that. Make sure your family's in church. Make sure they're engaged. 
in the things of God. Make sure you're praying. Make sure you're spending time with them. Make sure you're helping them see the way God wants to see. That they understand that obedience is more important than results. I wonder what would happen if a group of people, say a church, decided that we're going to really just begin to fix our focus on letting faith come alive in us and come alive in other people. I wonder what kind of ripple effect that might have in two years, in three years, in four years, in five years, in 10 years, in 30 years, in 100 years, and six generations later, if we get our focus in the right place. Will you bow your heads as we pray today? Father, I pray that you would help us to focus, to do, to do fewer activities, but see more results. God, help us not become distracted by things that could be good, not a bad, not even sinful things. But God, let us not lose sight of what matters most in our lives. God, I pray this week that you would help us highlight the right things. You'd help us focus on the right things. You would remind us of the truth of what your word says. We would change our lives by changing our mindsets. Lord, we would find this satisfaction and this longing in our hearts. Just by way of response real fast before we dismiss. And those of you watching online, you can respond as well. If you're here, you say, Pastor, this week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix my focus. I'm gonna focus on what matters most. I'm gonna take some time this week to identify three to five values for my life. If you're willing to say, yeah, I'm gonna do that this week. Would you just put a hand up before the Lord just by way of response today saying, God, here's our obedience. We're gonna do this. Lord, you see these hands and with it, our hearts and desires Lord, I pray this week you would speak to us and help shape what these values are as we move forward into the destiny and the plans that you have for us. In Jesus' name, here in this moment of prayer, if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I, I've never given God my full attention. I've, I've kind of played the church game. I've never really gone to church. It's kind of up and down for me. I've never really surrendered my heart and asked him to make me new, and I've never asked him to be my Lord. But today, I wanna to join the family of God, and I wanna give him my life. If that's you, and you'd say, I, I wanna follow God, and you're making this commitment, maybe for the first time, or first time in a long time, would you just put a hand in the air? We wanna pray with you today. Say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna give my heart to him. Thank you for those hands. Are there others? We'll wait just a second. Saying, yes, I wanna give my whole life to Jesus today. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for those hands. Church family, let's all pray this together. Nobody needs to pray by themselves. Pray these after me. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came to this earth to die on a cross for my sins. God, I repent and I return towards you. I make you the Lord of my life. Make me new on the inside. Transform me. Be my priority one from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Praise God.